0: Welcome to the HisCall Technology Podcast, where we are communicating tomorrow's business needs today. From just outside Nashville, Tennessee, join HisCall as we discuss all things telephony, data, and infrastructure related to business leaders. Here we go. Hello, this is Chuck, your host for the HisCall Technology Podcast I want to open the episode by saying hello to my furry friend Sander, who listens to the podcast with my buddy Scott. Hey, Sander, squirrel. I mentioned on our last episode that I had read on LinkedIn that SIP is the future, and I changed that up just a little bit to say SIP is now. We are seeing dramatic increases in SIP deployments for inbound and outbound voice communications as well as secure remote access for endpoint devices as businesses have been forced to embrace work from home. On our last episode we talked about the accession initiation protocol or commonly just SIP. We talked about its benefits and impact on enterprise communications and if you missed that episode please go back and give it a listen. On today's episode We're going to look at the importance of securing your enterprise voice communications. Now, let me ask you something. Would you allow one of your PCs to connect to the internet without having proper security in place, like a firewall and antivirus? Of course not, right? Just as you protect your PC from malicious activity, you also must protect your voice over IP. SIP has several security mechanisms inherent in the protocol. For example, you can encrypt both the SIP signaling packets and the session media streams. Also, individual messages can be challenged with authentication requests. And lastly, SIP-based components like a session border controller can be deployed as a perimeter defense appliance similar to the way you deploy a network firewall to protect other data. On this episode, we're going to focus on SIP security and specifically the Session Border Controller, or SBC. The SBC is a vital component of your SIP architecture. The SBC is important for several reasons, and we will explore those on this episode of the podcast. His call has experience with many different SBCs but the one we probably sell the most is the separator from NGATE systems. On today's episode, I have a conversation with Steve and Ernesto from NGATE to talk about session border controllers. I hope you enjoy the conversation. It is with great pleasure. I welcome our guests today for the podcast, Steve Johnson and Ernesto Casas. Steve and Ernesto are with NGATE systems, one of his calls valued partners in enterprise communications. Steve and Ernesto, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you, Chuck. It's our pleasure to be here. Thank
0: you. I'm thrilled to have you join the podcast today. We're going to discuss the importance of securing your enterprise communications and specifically session border controllers or SBCs as we most commonly refer to them or in in the Endgate world with a separator, right? Correct.
2: Correct. Yes.
0: Before we jump to the topic, can we take a few moments and you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, your role at Endgate and um, your experience with SBCs?
1: Sure. I'll uh, start off with that. This is Steve Johnson. I'm the general manager of the U.S. operation. Uh, InGate is a company that's headquartered in Stockholm, Sweden, and we have been operating in the United States since 2001. Uh, I've been with the company since the beginning in the U.S. We have built the market here as the SIP industry or the SIP use of communications Uh, has expanded in the United States and around the world. We have been responsible for bringing the Engate separator to the customers here in the U.S. and Canada, and more recently in Latin America and Mexico. Uh, So we are very um, happy about our session border controller, the separator. And um, I guess I have 20 years' worth of experience at at least a top level but Ernesto, tell him your uh, background because Ernesto has a great deal of experience at a very detailed technical level and can add a lot of value. Sure, Steve.
2: Uh, thank you. Thank you, Chuck, for uh, inviting us to this uh, uh, session. My name is Ernesto Casas, the director for pre-sales engineering in, in Gate, and I've been in the company for the last four years. I have been in voice over IP and SIP, I may say about, the last uh 80 years of my life Uh, so (laughs) i breathe sip i talk sip (laughs) and uh for the last uh, six years no for the last uh, eight years i've been specifically working with session border controllers so my my main role is to uh, provide our partners and customers With the skills in complex deployments, I am part of the escalation process on any technical issues in the company. Uh, I oversee our technical guys in Sweden and and in the U.S. And also I am the main interface between our market needs and our developers in Sweden.
0: One thing I make note of when I'm hearing you guys talk about your experience is... The SBC conversation really ramped up in the past several years, but you're talking about 20 years, so it's this is not a new product. SBC is something that's been around for a long time.
1: It has, and uh, the development of the SBC that Engate offers actually began in the late 90s, as SIP was a very nascent protocol. Working its way through the IETF, and our founder and chairman Carl Stahl uh, recognized the need for a product like this as we were trying to bring SIP and voice over IP into enterprises, and and set about uh, building the initial SIP stack and then integrating with it a, with a firewall, uh, so that we have what I think is one of the most uh, robust and very well tested in the field as well as in our labs, uh, products that's on the market today. Uh, We're very happy about that, and and our customers, I think, have seen the value that we can bring to them with our SBC.
0: I can certainly attest to that. We've had experience with EndGate over many years. We have found the product to be very flexible. Customers are pleased with it, and, and you guys are just awesome to work with. Thank you. Let's talk about what is a session border controller.
1: Well, let me start off and then we'll turn it over to, to Ernesto to go, go a little deeper. But a session border controller is a network infrastructure border element that's used to uh, for immediate and to secure and manage real-time communication interactions, which oftentimes can be very sensitive. Uh, and it works as a device at the edge of the network to uh, connect the endpoints with uh, the service provider that is actually routing the call to another party. So it plays a role in security and safety and privacy, uh, even to the point of being able to encrypt signaling and and uh, media as well uh, over the internet. So it is less likely to be intercepted and and used against whoever is sending it uh, another major thing that it does is to normalize the protocol and the media it's an intermediation device in the sense that we can make different types of sip and and i i kind of look at sip as being a standard but it has a lot of It may do this or it should do that. Mm. Uh, And companies have adopted the standard and used those should and may statements to their own advantage uh, and not necessarily the same on the other end. so we can make those things, make two different uh, manufacturers' products talk to each other, even though they may have adopted a different dialect of SIP, shall we say. Mm Mm-hmm. It also is a an integration device uh, for a number of applications, and it has the ability <clears throat> to add other functionalities. So not only voice, but also video and instant messaging, and provisioning and orchestration, presence, resource sharing, file sharing, desktop sharing, uh, uh, with SIP and its related protocols. And it, and it's so it's a very Useful and necessary device when bringing SIP into an enterprise, and a device that um, really is is an essential part of any deployment of of SIP-based communications. So, Ernesto, do you want to take it down a little deeper?
2: Yeah, of course. Uh, some of the questions can can come up like like uh, when do I need an SBC? What is uh, what are the real events in my IT strategies that are going to trigger the need for an SVC. So as Steve explained, is a border element. In other, in other words, the need for the for the enterprise to start interconnecting uh, telephone infrastructure or real time communication infrastructure with third party using networks that you don't have any control like the Internet or a third party network carrier, et cetera, puts a lot of uh, challenges in terms of uh, security. And, and at the same time, uh, having the need to connect to a carrier, different carriers are using different infrastructure for SIP. And they have adapted uh, the SIP stack based on the brands and vendors they're using, Acme Packet or, or Metaswitch or whoever they're using. And that is going to put challenges in terms of interoperability. So the, the carrier has the preference to use an SBC on their side, but they also try to enforce the customer to have an SBC to avoid the need of a, a specific customizations on the carrier side for a specific setups on the PBX side on the enterprise. So when do I need an SVC? Anytime that you have a border connection with a third-party network, and you're going to start moving real-time communications traffic, you're going to need an SBC, Okay? Any communication that is based on the sessions concept and has the need to be on real-time, you're going to need mm-hmm. some session border element that we call it session border controller, right?
0: Right. So it's deployed as a perimeter defense device or appliance makes me think about a firewall mm-hmm. what is the difference between a firewall and an sbc firewall does some of this it's kind of the same perimeter defense appliance too right
2: that is correct i mean the fi- a fi- firewall has a specific uh function i mean the architecture of a firewall has been conceived with a broad you know scope along the first three layers of your network architecture you know in other words A firewall is a device that allows you to add security and policies, starting on layer three down to layer two and layer one. When you're talking about applications, SIP is an application. SIP is a protocol that runs on the application layer. Okay, it goes over layer three. Firewall vendors has been implementing for, li- for the last few years. They have been implementing what they usually call the ALG functionality, application layer gateways, right? Sure. And, th- and they try to adapt uh, to add additional functionalities to be able to manage layers four and up. But the universe of applications is so broad that is very. It is almost impossible for the firewall to be specific on SIP or any other type of application like web browsers and, and things like that. So and and also the architecture of, of firewall is missing components that are going to be needed for any implementation of real-time communications, like for instance uh, media processing. Okay. So if if you for instance have a uh, the need not only to resolve the application layer-level challenges that are imposed by the firewall, like touching and adapting the headers on the SIP signaling packets, okay? Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you need to receive the traffic in certain codec. I mean, the media is going to be running on RTP. Uh, You have to remember always, SIP is not only a single protocol. We call it SIP, but in reality, we are talking about two protocols. One is signaling, that is the real SIP, and then we have real-time uh, protocol, RTP, which is the media. And the and the challenging thing here is that the real-time protocol, the real-time session, is established based on negotiations that happen on the SIP layer. Okay? And let's say, for instance, that you have to transcode between G711 and g 729 So the firewall... Most of the firewalls, I may say almost all the firewalls in the market, they don't have the media processing capabilities in order to transcoding, for instance, okay? And the, and the other challenge is fixing the problems for media at the SIP level negotiation may be enough in some basic SIP dialogues, but SIP, is, uh, SIP RFC are so dense that maybe some things doesn't work and they cannot be so, so specific. So they cannot have all the functionality to say, okay, what happened if I want to implement call transfer or three-way calling, okay, how that is going to be affected in terms of the SIP negotiation and the media, et cetera. When we are implementing a SIP trunk through any of our customers, the first thing we ask them, depending on where, where they the, the SIP operator is going to be installed, is disable any SIP, ALG f- features in your firewall, because that's going to break most likely <laughs> the media.
0: I appreciate that. That's very helpful in understanding what an SBC does mm-hmm. and um, what it's capable of doing. And as an example, I can give you just recently, uh, one of our customers reached out to us. They wanted to migrate from their PRIs to SIP trunks. And in, in the... Uh, ROI calculations that they had done, they didn't really want to add the expense of the SBC up front. There was uh, an application note with the PBX vendor and their SIP trunk provider that had what we often refer to as a native integration, where it's just direct from the SIP trunk provider to the PBX. And so they said, why can't we just do that? But when we got into the implementation, the SIP trunk provider had changed some things on their end, and they needed us the pbx to provide the sip signaling with certain uh, mm. protocol you know certain ports and protocols and things and wanted us to do some things that the pbx was not capable of doing the only way mm. that we could make those sip trunks work was and, and put the separator in between the pbx and yeah. the sip trunk provider and hey yep. kudos to you guys One, you know you guys are awesome at supporting us and this is a deal where steve Came yeah. to our rescue. We've been working with the customer for, you know, and, and, and their SIP trunk provider for several days. And they had a deadline and when they wanted to get this cut over, this was actually uh, we had we had planned the project, then an, an emergency arose right. in their network, their PRIs were down anyway. They said, Hey, can we get these SIP trunks up right now? So we jumped yeah. into this and we run into this problem and the SIP trunk provider saying, I need this and we can not provide it. I reached out to Steve and said, "Man, can you help us out here?" And we had a yeah. we had a license in quick turnaround time. We're able to get the customer back up on these SIP trunks. And yeah,
2: I, I can even give you a, a, a more drastic example of direct connection of a PBX. Okay, mm-hmm. let's say, for instance, you have a you have a financial organization, a bank. Okay, for the last two or three years, I have seen the push a very hard push for uh, having secure connections mainly on the government and the financial market. So they are moving all their SIP trunking from standard uh, UDP SIP base to TLS.
0: Yes, right.
2: And and also adding SRTP to encrypt all the media. So if you add, uh, I'm not saying that PBX doesn't support that. Most PBX support TLS and SRTP, but only adding TLS and SRTP to the PBX is going to take at least 40% of your horsepower Mm -hmm. and the PBX is going to be exhaust. You're going to need to upgrade hardware and there is a bunch of things. So the PBX or the telephone infrastructure should be doing telephony and let the security stuff to be in a a device that has the specific purpose of doing that.
0: Yes, that's a great example. And thank you for mentioning Mm -hmm. that. Security has to be top of mind in our communications today for all types of reasons. And so implementing TLS and secure RTP are certainly come into play and and the SBC is instrumental in facilitating that. We talked about Mm -hmm. the firewall and you know you don't just use a firewall because of some of the reasons that Ernesto laid out there. One of the questions that most always comes up when we start talking with the customer about SBC and you know, it comes up well where do I where does this sit? We talk about it being a perimeter defense appliance. Does it sit out on the perimeter, parallel to the firewall, behind the firewall? How does it work and play with the firewall? What do you recommend or suggest there?
1: Well, the separator, uh, specifically for InGate, is a device that obviously all SBCs sit at the edge of the network or very close to it. They sit either in parallel to the existing firewall all of the traffic that is related to SIP communications will be routed to the separator or the SBC in general, uh, rather than to the firewall. The separator has been designed and we have implemented it in a number of different ways, one of which is to put it into the DMZ of the firewall uh, so that the, uh, all the firewall can log all the traffic that may come at the company and then route the traffic off to the separator that's sitting in the DMZ. There are occasions where we can sit in front of the firewall or behind the firewall if those are essential to the organization's uh, infrastructure requirements. But those are, those are kind of uh, corner cases that I don't think we implement very often. But certainly the standalone technique and the DMZ technique are the two that are most commonly implemented with mm-hmm. the separator.
0: Would you say there are drawbacks or does NGATE have a preference?
1: We don't have a preference, I don't think. Maybe Ernesto say different. No.
0: We have the
2: flexibility to, as a matter of fact, we have a five different topologies where we can fit and that are very well documented in, in the manuals, okay, even with the diagrams, etc. We don't have a specific preference, okay? But uh, sometimes it's not a it's not a preference issue. It's a it's a, a, a I may say even inside politics in the enterprise because security most likely lands in a different division of uh, telephony, and security always wants to have the full control mm-hmm. of, of all the security, right? So sometimes even if we recommend, for instance, let's have a direct connection to the internet dedicated for voice services, the security guys is going to tell you, well, yes, I can do that, we can do that, but you have to go through the firewall, okay? (laughs) So we can can fit in that scenario is what Steve was calling the DMZ uh, type of topology, okay? But we can also be, uh, a direct connected to the third party network even the internet with a mm-hmm. public ip address associated to the in-gate. so uh, it, it, at the end it's going to be most likely a uh, negotiation and agreement between the security guys at the enterprise and the telephony uh, guys at the enterprise to see what is the best for the for the customer interest and policies
0: ernesto it's interesting you you mentioned that just Early last week, we were we're in the middle of a project, and we're implementing some uh, separators, uh, high availability configuration. And so we were talking to them about mm-hmm. the deployment and, and what we would need and all that kind of stuff. And so immediately said, look, I don't care where you put it, but it's not getting a public IP address. Everything that comes into the us is going to be behind our firewall. That's, That's exactly how yeah. that conversation went. Mm.
1: Yes.
2: Yeah. yeah, when we have those, those cases, we usually... Uh, get into the conversation I mean the partner like, like yourself call us and we we can we can help you on the discussion of how to do that because uh, we can provide you okay this is Mr. security guys if you are going to do it that way then we recommend for you to dedicate a public IP address on your side to just voice and route everything to the ingate and the gate is going to take care of any additional policies
0: that you want to add. Fantastic.
2: It's like a, it's a delegated firewall.
0: We've talked about the uh, Hiscall Gate partnership and Steve talked about, you know, headquartered in Stockholm in the US since 2001. There's longevity there. And I, and I think that comes with good product, but it also comes with good support in, in helping your partners and your customers. And you guys are absolutely one of the best from pre-sales to post sales support, you guys just excel. And I wondered if you could speak to kind of your approach or your philosophy behind the support you provide.
1: Yeah, it gives us an opening to talk about one of the things that we are very proud of ourselves and hearing those kind of comments from you and other customers um, very frequently, I, I would say, uh, makes us very proud that we have been recognized to have that kind of support. From my point of view, the process started a long time ago uh, when we first were starting out and were looking for uh, somebody to be an engineering pre-sales, post-sales support person uh, for the company in the United States because of the six-hour time difference between the East Coast and Stockholm and a nine hour difference to California, it just uh, didn't make sense to rely on the resources we have in Sweden. Uh, And when we looked for that person, we looked for somebody who had experience in networking, experience in telephony, and had some knowledge of and experience with the separator. And we found that person and we were very happy to bring him on And he did a great job understanding what customers' needs were. Uh, This was a very young industry at that time. And so it wasn't cookie cutter, It, it wasn't, people didn't even know how to spell SIP, let's say it that way. And so there was a lot of education that had to be done and a lot of things that had to be understood by our people to be able to integrate with networks that were being set up for SIP communications. So really, from the very beginning, it's been a matter of finding people who actually will be customer-centric and can learn the separator and be able to define or describe the separator to our customers from the bottom up. So we've achieved that goal with our support staff. And and Ernesto, I think you you can hear on this podcast, and I think, Chuck, you will agree, as a director of worldwide support, has all of those attributes and brings with him other just philosophies that he has brought to the table here as well. And he's backed up by our team of experts at our headquarters and by our help desk, which is managed by a third party in Greenville, South Carolina. And they too, from the very beginning, we chose them because they had this philosophy of customer first. And I get feedback uh, almost every week from people like yourself uh, who comment and can't say enough about the support that, that the staff and our and our subcontractor provides to them uh, as they develop uh, their SIP network and employ the, the separator to do the work it does. And maybe, Ernesto, you can expand on your principles or your philosophy of Yeah, um, and why it's so effective?
2: Yeah, I I think when when I came to the to the company four years ago, one of the best fits that I found was my 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 personal philosophy was uh, right on the money with the company philosophy. So we always learn from customer cases. Every single case we have is always an opportunity to learn, and has has as a matter of fact part of our development process fits in based on our customer experiences. Mm-hmm. And that's a very interesting mm-hmm. model. We try always to sit on customer chair and we don't like to play finger pointing mm-hmm. game, which is, uh, oh, the, the problem is not here. Your PBX is having the problem. So you have mm-hmm. to fix it there. E- even if that is true, we get involved. We try to help the customer to troubleshoot, even if they're, the, the piece that is failing or not doing the right thing is not the in-gate, okay? So every customer interaction in reality is not only an opportunity for us to learn, but also we teach. We teach a lot when we are interacting with customers. It's always a good opportunity. We love, you know, at least I personally, when a case came, escalated to me, I always, the first thing to ask is, allow me to put my hands on the problem. And then we can work together, right. right? So so those are our main asset as a company is the human, human capital. Our skills are, um, I mean, I'm not talking about myself, but I can tell you the guys we have in Sweden in the development and genocide, they are amazing. Those guys, you know, speak, speak back and forth.
0: <laughs> I, I appreciate so much what you're saying. in Ernesto, you've done a great job of working with our folks, with our guys, with me. Steve, same thing. You're such a big help to me, and I appreciate that. In the end of the day, when a customer's having an issue, they they don't want to hear it's something else. They want to hear how we're going to get this fixed. And for Ernesto to say we sit in the Mm -hmm. customer chair and try to have their perspective is so important. It's paying off. You guys do a great job. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank Mm -hmm. you. We talk about your support. We've talked about why you need a session border control, what it is. And we've mentioned uh, the separator is is your product. Can we kind of close out today and and giving you an opportunity to say, you know, you need a session border controller. We've established that, and here's why you need a separator. What's the what's the strengths of the separator versus some of the others in the competition?
2: Yeah, of course. Uh, kind of the story of the SBC is uh, it was the the device to used for SIP trunking, but in the last uh, the last few years and mainly on the last year the increase of needs of having teleworkers right has putting a lot of pressure on the border element that you're gonna use to connect those teleworkers so and that is gonna justify even more clearly the need of a session border controller
0: absolutely
2: okay? so multi multi-vendor is going to be a key issue there because you most likely you're going to start using third-party phones or soft phones or WebRTC and things like that it has, has the endpoints. And then you're going to have challenges because maybe your PBX doesn't support WebRTC, mm-hmm. but you want your employee to be able to use the phone system in a web page. If I have to summarize some of the uh, key strengths of the, of the separator, is a, is a single platform with a broad scope of, in terms of capacities, that includes a very small device appliance, a very high-end device with 20,000 uh, 20, simultaneous calls, or even software-based, where the limitation is gonna be on the hardware that you decide to use, or cloud-based. So we have a very broad offering to the market.
0: Absolutely. Okay.
2: It's a real-time communication engine, with an embedded firewall, it's not the other way around. This is not a firewall that has a, a ALG feature. Right, it's a SIP core device that has a firewall. So our core element is, is the SIP engine. Uh, the, another important uh, uh, strength of us is uh, RTC protocols. I mean, the stacks we are using is our own intellectual property. We don't depend on others' roadmaps. So the core technology is our own intellectual property. Very good. Every, every single new improvement is thought, designed, and developed and implemented from the bottom up. That's how we usually add features to uh, year after year to our platform. Okay. For for instance, we detected the need for WebRTC many years ago, and we added the support to WebSockets and Web Secure Sockets to the separator at least three or four years ago. We were already a WebRTC gateway <laughs> without having put in the, the name of WebRTC gateways as a device. Uh, we detected the need for provisioning an orchestration. In other words, how can I automate the configuration based on business rules? So we created a bunch of uh, REST API hooks into the separator for you to automate not only configuration but licensing firmware management etc so this
0: the, so the separator is a purpose-built real-time communications appliance that provides security interoperability yeah. for uh yeah. real-time communications sip trunks teleworkers web rtc
2: yeah yeah if, if you see if you see our our latest versions on the who you're going to say what is this like still and shaken. Yes. Yeah. everybody's talking about still and shaken since maybe four or five years ago. We had the still and shaken, as a has an initial step about uh, maybe two years ago, and this is still and shaken from the point of view of the enterprise. Not even the FCC have ruled yet what is going to happen on the enterprise side. They have been ruling uh, on the on the carrier side. Okay. We added uh now that TLS is a is a must in most deployments, certif- certificate management is gonna be a challenging matter, right?
0: No doubt about it.
2: So we are adding you haven't seen that this is to be announced, but uh we are adding ACME support, which is a protocol for certificate management.
0: Okay, and that's that's on the roadmap. That's coming, right? That's what you're saying?
2: That's coming. Yeah. Yeah, that's coming. Okay. You have you you have the Primicia, we call it in Spanish. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, breaking news. Right, fantastic. We love breaking news on the Hiscall Technology podcast. Steve, were you going yeah. to, uh, to say something there a while ago?
1: Yeah, I was just going to add in that all of these features and functions that uh, Ernesto has, has delineated here, excellent. And that is what we do. And that is what we do very well. Uh, but I can also say that we are very price competitive, and I think that's also important to your customers. That's right. And and uh, for dealers like yourself, we like to work with you to make sure that you know we're offering a solid product at a reasonable price so that um, your customers can walk away happy and satisfied that what they get is what they wanted and didn't have to pay an arm and a leg for it. Uh, So we're here to help. We're here to help you as pre-sales or sales to to assist you with defining what the separator can do for your customers. And we're here after sale as well to make sure that if there is some hiccup uh, along the way that that, uh, we can help resolve it and get people back up online uh, as quickly as possible.
0: You're definitely hitting the mark on all of those points. And uh, I would even add you're, you're willing to jump on a podcast uh, from time to time. Isn't that right?
1: Exactly. We love doing podcasts. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: All right. Well, hey, thank you guys so much uh, for, for taking the time to, to join us on this podcast episode and, and talk with us and our customers about the SBC.
1: And we Thank you for inviting us. We appreciate the opportunity, Chuck. If you want another podcast with us, we're happy to jump in.
0: All right. I look forward to that. Okay. How about that for some great content? That's a wrap. We'll put a border on this session of the podcast. I hope you enjoyed the conversation with Steve and Ernesto. As you enjoy the Hiscall Technology Podcast, it would mean the world to me if you would subscribe on whatever platforms you enjoy listening and like our episodes. When you subscribe to the show and like the content, It helps build community by helping others find us. Thanks again for listening to the podcast. This is your host, Chuck, reminding you, don't be afraid, only believe. Thanks for taking the time to listen to the HisCall Technology Podcast. Subscribe to this podcast so you can stay up to date with today's business communication trends. To learn more about HisCall solutions for your business needs or to listen to previous podcasts, visit us at our website, hiscall.com.